This week on the Magnificently Huge podcast, Bill and Ted face the music. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. So did you ever make a really bad mistake? Like, uh, vacation in a spot the State Department says you shouldn't? Or give your wife motor oil for your anniversary? Or have children? I made a mistake like that this week in deciding that this week's subject should be Bill and Ted Face the Music, a movie nobody really wanted and nobody's really going to see, and I'm not sure the people who made it really wanted to make it. There's no reason for this movie to exist, and yet somehow, magically, it does. Eh, I've kind of given it away, haven't I, what I think of it. Let's find out what the other guys think. And we're back. Yes. Hello. We're subdued and calm. And so what do you guys think? Oh, Jesus. Uh, there's so much to say. <laughs> and so very there little is. time to say it all. Uh, yeah. I will I'm say this. i throw soup at you. What do you think of that? I'm going to throw <laughs> soup at you. Fuck off. I'm enjoying the news of uh, my hometown where they had a regatta at the Lake Austin for that Trump. Was funny. And a bunch sank because there were so many knuckleheads in the water with their boats that it made the chops <laughs> so bad that it turned into that scene from Caddyshack that I love so much. So, yeah. So it's sort of a, like, I don't even know if that's a metaphor, but it, it, it's kind of like a <laughs> metaphor for what we're doing with Labor Day weekend and letting everybody just kind of open up all the businesses and yeah. YOLO, let's all go catch the virus again. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the hashtag that sums everything up well, for everything, is uh, hashtag Dumkirk, because it's yeah. just perfect. <laughs> that's, the, that's what I heard, too, the miracle at Dumkirk. Yeah. Remember, remember the 5th of September. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So, yeah, everything's still horrible. Welcome to the show. So, hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the News and Huge Podcast. Uh, let's do the intros. I'm Brian. This is Chris. And this is Eric. And many, many important people have said 2 plus 2 is 5. Many important people. It's, Dark, it's shadowy been, people I've are also told. saying that. Yeah, I've been You've never heard of them. People are saying. Uh, <laughs> some people say. Some people say. Some people say. Some people say it's just too violent. There's too much blood. Some people say. Some people say. Well, some people say. Some people say. Uh, some say. Some people say. And I tell you what, uh, just get rid of that fucking diversity training while you're at it because it's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Nobody needs that. Many people don't know that, that it's bullshit. <laughs> Many people. Yeah. But people have said God, that you don't need it. Educated fool. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. We're, we're in the soup, people. We're in the soup. This is how we start every show this year, 2020. Uh, yeah. Just railing against everything that we have no control over. And yeah. it's awful. Yeah. Life is shit. Life is shit. The world is shit. Uh, 2020, everybody. 
I'm just happy I live in a state where a vote by mail is already the standard. And so I don't have to worry about getting fucked. But, you know, of course, this is the place where they're going to send all, you know, launch all the Agent Orange when he wins a second term. (laughs) So in all seriousness, public service announcement. Um, One of my children, uh, who is uh, 26 was dropped from the voter rolls uh, for no apparent reason. Yeah, uh, it happens. So you, you, it's not enough to have a plan for voting, even if you voted in the last election or in the primary. Yeah. Double mm-hmm. check and make sure you're still registered because apparently they've been doing some purging. We got yeah. her back on, mm-hmm. but uh, that's how aggressive one has to be about yeah. making sure your vote is counted. Check online, see if you're registered. Get your ballot, turn it in early, and then follow up online to make sure your vote is tabulated. That's at least possible in Arizona. Well, so I, I will say that. this. I did uh, last weekend go online and just verify that I am still registered uh, in my own county, by the way. So don't think I'm pulling some North Carolina bullshit where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote like <laughs> yes, seven vote times. Early, vote often, right? That's <laughs> yeah. the president's advice. And vote 700 times just to make yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> So. Just to be clear, that's a felony. Oh. Don't actually do that. You Jesus know, Christ, if, why do we even have to explain that? If only time travel were an actual real thing, uh, we could never mind. Fuck. So I'll stick to my usual statement about time travel, mm-hmm. which is either it's never going to be invented <laughs> or it already has. Or things are going to get even worse because that's the point in time to which they'll send the time machine. Yeah. <laughs> I think 2020 pretty much invalidates the idea that time travel will ever be invented because surely somebody would have come back here by now. That or something else is about to happen that's even worse. Yeah, right. That's the thing. This is almost comically stupid. You know, this isn't like a Bond villain like I always thought. It's more like Dr. Evil. Uh, (laughs) The Bond villain is the one next. Yeah. You know? Well, here's the deal. I think if time travel were possible, it would wind up being very similar to what they had to do in Star Trek Four, where they're going to have to build a fucking starship and then whip it around the sun. So it's going to take an inordinate amount of tech to actually make any of it happen. But they are going to mm-hmm. save the whales, so I'm hopeful. Thank you. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, did I lose yeah, you? Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just... <laughs> Drifting off uh, there. Fresh shit. Who's got it? This shit is fresh. I got some fresh shit. Do the fresh shit. Have you gone to any movie theaters, Brian? Of course not. Okay. They are open. They are. But I am not crazy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, no. I mean, that's... You know, okay, so programming note, we might have tried to say this on the last podcast, but we might also be releasing these out of sequence, so we'll find out. Yeah. But just because Arizona opened all the movie theaters and bars and gyms and everything else, and I'm the guy who always goes to the theater, I'm still not doing it. It's not going to happen. And that actually explains my fresh shit a little bit, because um, Tenet, the big Christopher Nolan uh, film that he insists must be shown in theaters is out and that's probably what everybody wants to be talking about this week but nope. i'm not going to a theater screw that i love that uh, this is the thing that i read about this somebody actually bothered to print a widely published article mind you about why tenet is an exemplar of the latest trend in movies where the sound is garbled and you can't understand a fucking word they say uh, because the mixes are so off 
Mm. So yeah, well, Nolan is known for that. Yeah, it's very quiet dialogue scenes and then yeah. incredibly loud. Brom. Yeah, you're right. So I think he's yeah. the originator of Brom. Brom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Isn't that a Hans Zimmer thing? <laughs> yeah, it is. it is. So I have some holes in my Christopher Nolan backlog, and so that's my fresh hit this week. Is I went back and watched for the first time the Prestige. Oh, I like the you. Prestige. I love the the casting of Bowie in that. Yeah. That always makes me laugh. I I didn't know Bowie was in it. So <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. So yeah, David Bowie turns up as Nikolai Tesla yeah. in the Prestige. I love it. I think Prestige it's probably one of is, Nolan's best. Yeah. Is the Battle of Wolverine versus Batman um where they fight over the Black Widow and do magic tricks. And that Yeah. The, yeah. What's the <laughs> what was the other movie that came out the same year about battling magicians? With uh, what's his name? From the Fight Illusionist. Club? The Illusionist. Yes. Yeah. I, that I was like know. that was like the weirdest, uh, like pairing of competing movies. Like we got the volcano movies, etc. This was like the dueling magician movies that year. It was yeah. so weird. So, yeah. so this this is um, Hugh Jackman, and uh, doing an American accent poorly. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Bale doing I think his native accent. Um. I don't and, think he knows. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's, he's done lost. so many accents, he's kind of lost what his original accent is. But he sounded an awful lot like the Christian Bale losing his his shit on the Terminator set. I'm going to go. Do you want me to go fucking trash your lights? I'm fucking serious. You're a nice guy. You're a nice guy. But I don't fucking cut it when you're bullshitting and fucking around like this on set. And Scarlett Johansson continuing her career of cultural appropriation doing an English accent. Yeah. Um... Actually, seemingly doing pretty well. Of course, I'm an American, so what do I know? Um, Not very much. Not very much. The the whole deal is about two dueling magicians in London, or at least in England, um, around the time of electrification, uh, trying to one-up each other and all of the bizarre tricks they'll pull on each other in the physical world as opposed to just on stage. Mm Mm-hmm. To uh, to have the better version of the same trick. Are you gonna spoil the big twist mm, for everybody? I don't know. Should we? I wasn't spoiled on it, so I kind of feel like maybe I shouldn't. I, yeah, I'd, I'd be surprised if you knew if you know what the twist is, because the twist is actually a hidden twist. Well, I got I got the there were a couple twists, and the one at the very very end. Um, I'll I, without ruining the twist, I'll say it sucks. Um, <laughs> but it's still Nolan's finest film. It it the twist the, the twisty twist at the very end takes us out of the realm of the physical world and into just fairy tale universe. Uh, yeah, in a way that, that I'm not fond of. That's the part where he says, you, you know, it's right in front of you, but you don't see it because that's what it looks like. But that's not it. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. I feel like there's some misdirection happening here. Don't look at oh, my hand. It's a total misdirection. That's I'm the talking thing. about the th- the hats and why yeah. there are the yeah. hats. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's like we'll the, talk uh, about it offline. I want to. I want to hear your take on this. Uh, I'll send you. I'll send you a video because it's yeah. it's like so deep. I'm like, yeah. ah, and yeah. I got it for you. And I got to be honest with you. It's been years since I've seen it, so it's all vague at this. I managed to see it like like once every year or two. Really? And, and I'm always so happy to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched so, it in forever. But the yeah. fun thing is that the other twist, 
um, had been ruined for me because I had seen the Bollywood film Doom 3 a few years ago, <laughs> which really? rips off all That's of awesome. Nolan's other films. <laughs> That's and amazing. so that twist is is also in Doom 3. Okay. And uh, and so I saw that coming a mile away. It was just a question of which character was going to, oh. to have that. Well, thanks a lot for ruining Doom 3 for me, Brian. It's really not ruined. In fact, awesome. I think they do that twist uh, more justice in Doom Is it 3. Important to and see... I highly recommend you go watch it. Is okay. it important to see Doom 1 and 2 first? No, it really isn't. Mm. D-H-O-O-M 3. Oh, That's the movie you want. Not the one with The Rock and Carl Urban. I'm confused. No, no. Okay. This I'm is a confused. Bollywood... Uh, song and right. dance crime spree that, extravaganza shot in Chicago to look just as much like the Dark Knight as they could make it look. That makes much more sense than what I was thinking. So, Brom. Continue. <laughs> Continue. Brom. 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 Yeah. Who else has got some fresh shit? I've uh, got fresh shit. Oh, I know. Uh, high got score. Some. I'm watching High Score yes. on okay. uh, uh, Netflix. Enjoyable. I'm watching it in reverse order, though, because I don't <laughs> want to have to watch any more that story of, and in the 1980s, Peace Invaders washed up on American shores. Yeah. I don't want to hear that story anymore. That's, yeah, that's so the I'm first episode to a T. So, yeah. Watching it mm-hmm. in reverse and uh, starting with 3D. And uh, which is basically the 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 parallel stories of Star Fox and Doom. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Doom One, I should point out. And they do some uh, Wolfenstein too. Not to be confused way. with Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Three, not Doom, but Doom. Doom. And I did not know this. They named the name of the game Doom. Uh, they they watched uh, the Color of Money. And yeah. there's a part in there where uh, 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 Tom Cruise shows up at a pool hall and opens up his case with his pool cue in it. And another pool player says, what you got in there? And Tom Cruise does that goofy Tom Cruise smile and says, Doom. Doom. And they were like, that's, yeah. that's, that's the name of our game. I was yeah. like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's basically just about exactly what you think it is. No oh, surprise. Yeah. It's worth watching. It's a time killer. I enjoyed it. it- I, you know, I we talked about it a little bit before, and I've I'm I've now seen the second episode of it. Oh, and burning up the sho- charts! What's Hold shocking on. to me is how many of you know because that was the Nintendo episode. What's shocking to me is how many of the big stories about Nintendo are just not told at all. Like, there's a whole thing about how Nintendo got the rights to Tetris that just isn't there. Well, it's isn't that in a couple other documentaries though? It's in some books. Uh, yeah, I don't know books. if there's other documents. They they did have the the lawyer Kirby who argued with Universal about um, Donkey Kong being copyright infringement to King Kong. Yeah. But actually, I think they underplayed the story because his argument in that case was, "Hey, Universal, you you have to prove in court that you have the rights to King Kong, and they couldn't." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. That's it awesome. was it was shady. Well, yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, it, it's done in the same style as the toys that made us or the movies that yeah. made us. So it's just broad yeah. strokes. They're not going to get totally in depth into the minutia 
But I that, like that, that, that it's not, yeah. it's not, it doesn't feel like it's going in a sort of chronology of, okay, and now we're going to do 81 to 83, and yeah. now we're going to do 84 mm. to 86. No, no it's, it's just, here's yeah. the subject, here's the, the, the basic thing we want to cover. Yeah. We may cover old ground two or three times, but doesn't matter, we're, we're, we're talking about something specific. It's, it's the broad strokes. Like yeah, it's video games 101, basically, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but I was astonished as it went, because I didn't have the early systems, like the Atari and that sort of thing. And then mm-hmm. when the Sega came out, I was playing on yours all the time, Brian. Like, you would lug it around everybody's apartments, and we would all just play the fuck out of it. Uh, God, how lame was I? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but that's how we, we played it. We could do a show on that if you'd like. Yeah. Like, I think like we should do a show talks on about how lame we each are. Yeah. Genesis. Uh, how much time you got, Eric? Uh, so, <laughs> and then, like, the, the PlayStation 1 came out, and that, I think, was the first system that I had access to because my roommate at the time had it. Uh, but as the high score goes on and they get into, like, Doom and Wolfenstein and all that stuff after Sega, I'm like, man, I played a lot more video games than I thought in the 90s now that I think about it. Uh, and that's sort of the weird reverse nostalgia. Because when it starts, I'm like, nah. I mean, I have played these, but I don't feel any yeah. particular fondness for that. But as you get into the later systems, I'm like, yes, this is it. So. I find it funny watching this documentary, uh, uh, talking about this stuff that happened in the early to mid-90s. Right. I didn't, I didn't know any of this stuff. But because of our mutual friend, uh, uh, Vidopia, who was all about this garbage, I, I remember <laughs> stories like, hey, yeah, they released this thing and everybody went on at 12.01 a.m. to get it and the servers crashed. And I think my reaction was something like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Great. Yeah? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Okay. And so, and now I watch it and there there the guy is talking about it, uh uh the guy who founded id software and he's like and, and the they all came on at twelve oh one and the server crashed. And I'm like they all speak the same language. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a cult. Well wait yeah. you get further back because then you get into like the early nineties, late eighties when they started doing the progenitor of the, the game teams and the competitions uh and the professional mm. leagues it's like that's how they marketed their bullshit and i had no idea that they were that insanely popular oh, i yeah. think there is a funny movie like yeah if, if for the next time we have another group of comedic film actors who are sort of a pack the way uh the the the, the rat the, pack the, the brat no, pack. more like the the Wilson brothers and and, oh. and and the frat pack. I think they called them. Okay, right, like Starsky and Hutch and all those shit yeah. movies. They could have done what? Well, yeah, they could have done one like uh, 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 about video game competitions with kids who are like all talking badass, but at the same time they're taking <laughs> asthma breathers and. Uh. You're, it sounds like, like you're pitching like a Will Ferrell movie. That's what that yeah, sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Will Ferrell would definitely be in it. Yeah. Okay. So I went to a, a gaming convention a couple of years ago, and they had a panel of people who had been winners of the Nintendo championships. Winners in quotes. Yeah. Well, We're all winners, it's sir. Like, it's all the same 20 dudes, right? Like, these same people have been competing with each other the whole time. Yeah. It's like this little... You know this little yeah. community. Kind of, kind of hard to think of yourself as a winner when that's when you're known for. That's all I'm saying. I'm. Uh, oh, hey, yeah. whoa, bold yeah. words, sir. That's, that's where your, I'm going. You're a provocateur, <laughs> sir. 
<laughs> Eric uh, Reed laying down the smack. Yeah, Chicken okay. and hate. Chicken and hate. Buns, buns, buns. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, all right. What else you got? Um, other stuff that I can't remember. So go ahead, uh, uh, Chris. You're up. What? No books. Stupid books. Still reading uh, Gore Vidal's essays. Okay. Uh, They're they're really awesome and funny. And there's actually a a YouTube like a special. The, uh, so that was on History Channel years ago. Uh, Gore Vidal's Presidents of the United States, and he he reads basically parts of these essays for a documentary about the presidents. And go look it up; you can get a flavor for the you know the V Man. Yeah, but otherwise, Gore. that's what I'm reading. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm a uh, well. I just read The Manchurian Candidate by Richard Condon, uh, and the movie is very faithful to it. I don't know about the remake with Denzel. I never saw that one, but the actual Frankenheimer one from like 62 uh, follows it very closely. And it's, uh, mm. it's a solid read and it's fun and good, but it's also just uh, also devastatingly horrific given <laughs> the current political climate. Yeah. So I'm not sure why I read it, but okay. yeah, it's help us out here for those of us who have managed to somehow avoid both you, movies and the oh, book. Okay. First I, of all, I understand what a Manchurian candidate yeah. is, but like tie uh, us in, how is it making you, you know, nauseous? Well, this year? first of all, seek out the original movie with Sinatra uh, and watch it because it's a it's a classic. Uh, but it came out right before Kennedy got shot, and so they basically buried it for like 25 years, and it didn't really see the light of day until like 87, 88, and then everybody sort of became aware of it again. But the gist is that it's uh, a very complicated communist plot that starts in Korea, where you have the son of a woman who is married to a senator who's very much like Joseph McCarthy and his whole unit is abducted in Manchuria and brainwashed and then he's not a liked fellow and they make everybody think that he's their best friend and they love him and then he basically soaks all rescues them from their lost patrol and wins the medal of honor uh, and he becomes like a sleeper agent that will eventually shoot the president and so there's all this so if you've ever seen like the americans that tv show it's kind of that vibe but mm. he's just a, a brainwashed sleeper agent but all of the people in the unit start deteriorating emotionally and mentally because the brainwashing is fucking with their heads and so you've got frank sinatra's character who's the major who is sort of trying to figure out why he's having all these weird nightmares uh and then you get all the stuff with the parents and the mccarthyism and rooting out communism and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, they're all in bed with Russia. It's all very fucked up. Uh, but very, very much done in a, a, a darkly satiric way. So it's just, it's a poke in the eye to anybody that's like, America, America, blah, blah, blah. Because it's like, mm, fuck you. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's very chilling, but also very funny. Uh, so yeah, if you've not seen the movie, I totally recommend it because it's, it's a classic yeah. for a reason. Uh, but to balance that out, I, <laughs> I went on Amazon and watched, it's almost two and a half hours long. It's a documentary about action cinema from the eighties and nineties called in search of the last action heroes. It's full on pulls punches. 
gory, violent. Miss those movies, man. And it's like two and a half hours of talking heads all about every single action movie that we've ever seen and grew up with and love uh, <laughs> and why they're awesome. It's so weird that I sat through the whole thing uh, and only managed to not see, I think, about five or six of the total number of movies that they talk <laughs> oh, about. Lord, I was like, what in the, what was I doing all that time spent? Uh, Working in a video store, I think. I guess. I, I, I wish I could remember who it was. I think it was either Sly Stallone or it, it had to be Sly Stallone, who said that when uh, Tim Burton's Batman came out in 1989 yeah. mm -hmm. with an actual actor and not a muscle-bound clown yeah. as the lead in, an, in the biggest action movie in town, it killed all of their careers. It, yes. Well, that was sort of the, basically the, they weren't great actors, but they were muscly, yeah. and so you could put them in dopey action. But like yeah. once actual actors were doing action films, oh no, that's that that killed their market. Yeah, they they basically that's part of the flow through of the whole thing, where it's like you had your Slys and your Schwarzeneggers, etc., and then you get all these like just beefy, super testosterone fueled action epics and then suddenly 1988 Die Hard comes along and they put this regular guy yeah. Bruce Willis uh mm -hmm. kicking ass and being smarmy and that sort of set the new bar and then yeah by the time you get through like Batman and stuff they're like oh fuck it's sort of like when uh, grunge music supplanted hair metal it's kind of that same vibe and then when you get <laughs> into the 90s then you get stuff like Speed with Keanu Reeves uh, Etc. And then it starts that trend that winds up with Nick Cage and stuff like The Rock, where it's like you've got actual actors kicking ass on screen, <laughs> whereas before it was just kick-ass guys pseudo-acting yep. on screen. So it's like that weird right. flip. So that's sort of the genesis of their... their Hi, I'm Jeff theme. Speakman! <laughs> yeah. Jeff Speakman! <laughs> uh, but yeah, the only ones I wasn't really familiar with were the stuff from Hong Kong. Which I've seen some, but I mean, they went into a whole thing with Cynthia Rothrock, who is one of the first ass-kicking women who yeah, never gets any credit. Wild story. Is there like Wings Hauser in this thing? No, like, no Wings Hauser. I was surprised. I was surprised. But Dave uh, But I mean, Cynthia Rothrock has actual, like, you know, pun intended, chops when yeah. it comes to you know the karate <laughs> stuff. Well, yeah, and it developed into yeah movie stuff, but. Yeah, it's like almost her story is more interesting than any movie she ever made. Yeah, and uh, and she yeah, and she's funny. They talk to her a lot uh, throughout the course of it, and she's just very upfront about you know uh, I should have been way bigger than I am because I was carrying those movies. I mean, she's really upfront about it, <laughs> but because she was a woman, it was sort of eh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they even get into like the the whole stupid ninja craze that canon sort of started and then wound up with like michael dudikoff uh and then they talk about the rambo movies and commando and schwarzenegger and mctiernan and blah 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 i mean it's just literally 20 years of action cinema that they condense into two and a half hours and i just sat there going holy shit i've seen every single one of these except maybe that one or that one I'm like what in the mm. fuck was did, i did doing it did it bring any to back to memory where you're like oh yeah that like, uh yeah i come in peace i'd totally forgotten yes. that one uh with dolls i come in peace has been on the list of potential magnificently huge <laughs> yeah. podcasts for like years now yeah. 
Uh, I love it so much just because of the tagline. It's like, I come in peace. I come in peace. Dolph Lundgren. And you go in pieces. Blah, 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 blah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so dumb. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, it definitely brought back some nostalgia for plenty of flicks. Uh, and then it even goes into like Cameron's legacy on the whole genre, Verhoeven. But when they talk about Alien, uh, I'll just end on that. That was always one of the coolest stories was that when they cast the first Alien movie, uh, Ripley was originally written as a man. And then they cast Sigourney Weaver in the role of Ripley, but they didn't change a line of dialogue. They didn't do anything to make her a woman per se in the movie. And all of that is just Sigourney Weaver in her performance, kicking ass and taking names. And you never really address the fact that, Oh, it's a woman. It's just, no, it's Ripley. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Mm. And I always think that's amazing because then Cameron takes that and runs with it in aliens. And then you kind of get the rest from there. Uh, So just they're, it's a dumb genre, and it's ridiculed, rightly so, on many of them. But there are a few that just nail it and get it right, so so right that I, you know, I love them to this day. And uh, God help me. So yeah, but it's called <laughs> In Search of the Last Action Heroes, and uh, it's worth your time if you like action cinema. It's like high score. It's just like a. It's a primer. It's uh, 101. Uh, it gives you all the broad strokes, and uh, it's fun. So. Stuff blowed up real good. I'll just say that. <laughs> and that's Fresh It. So on with our next disaster. Uh, <laughs> in, 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 because all this, most of the cinemas are closed, uh, a lot of movies are coming out digitally, yeah. as they probably should. Um, and so I thought as a piece of clickbait, because everybody's searching you know, for what's out now, we talk about Bill and Ted Face the Music, the part three of the the Bill and Ted's cinematic universe. Cinematic universe, yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or as the French say, trilogy <laughs> of, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, okay. first of all, uh, I think this is a weird one because it's a fairly popular set of characters let's be honest it's a touchstone for quote-unquote 80s cinema into 90s uh they're just shorthand pop culture icons but the fact that any movie comes out 26 years after the last one you always run into trouble Mm -hmm. i will just be honest with you there i really really wanted to like this movie and at times i did but not enough to recommend, I'm sorry to say. I actually wanted to turn this show into, like, I don't know, I was, I was thinking we could rebrand it, basically, Nostalgia <laughs> Cinema and the yeah. dangers of it. Yeah. But, you know, we can stick with this one. But this, I think, again, all, uh, all roads seem to lead back to Star Trek for me. But uh, Star Trek, the motion picture, and, you know, wrath of khan they were kind of the first ones to do this and make it work where you take something that old Mm. and that shouldn't come back ish yeah and you have success with it and then it 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 turns into a long line of shows and movies that you do you come back to later you know but this is just a bad idea because i think star trek is like a rare example of it working 
well, that's, usually you just get sort of very tired cliche. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And that's sort of what I was driving at is that there are a few that prove the exception to the rule that come out way too late, but are actually good, if not better than what came before. And so like Star Trek two, uh, I would say Mad Max Fury Road, stuff like that. Uh, sadly, this isn't one. This was this is one that lumps in with other stuff like Godfather Three and Dumb and Dumber Two yeah. and just <laughs> endless so, stream of sequels that didn't need to get made. I here's the thing, right? Like Bill and Ted. Okay, the first one I think was appealing to me because you know I was just young and it was shot you know in our neighborhood basically. So yeah, it was Phoenix. interesting to watch. I was never really that big into the second one. I know that most people think the second one is the best one. I don't I'm not sure I understand why. And then you know, really they're hangout films. It's just, hey, here's these two affable, you know, dumbasses, but but they have this sort of like this pure optimism thing. That's that's kind of the brand. Yeah. And then this movie, as far as I can tell, this movie seemed to be a bunch of people feeling sorry for Alex Winter and wanting to make a movie with him for him or something. <laughs> he does really? all right. He I, does all I don't right. know, but but I think he does a better job way. than Keanu. Frankly, well, that's just it. I think yeah. Alex Winter it. shows up. Right, yeah. Alex Winter is is on his game, and he's affable and dumb and likable and you know yeah. good natured. And Keanu is just not. Yeah, he's just like. Well, he says in the movie, Ted actually says at one point to Bill, he's like, I'm tired. It's like, well, yeah, you fucking look like you're tired. Why don't you act a little bit, dude? It's like, you know, he's already done The Matrix. He's done John Wick. It's like, are you just, you know, are you spent? Do you need a little lay down? What's going on? Get some energy. I wasn't quite sure why this film needed to be made. That's another thing. Oh, it absolutely did not need to be made. Well, it's fan service, basically, because all of the fans from the first two. Like, the the fans of the first two. people are showing up at Bill and Ted Con and saying, hey, is three coming out yet? Uh, Apparently, the people have been badgering both Winner and Reeves, but also the the writers, the creators, Chris Matheson and Ed Solomon. They've been at them for years. And. I guess 10 years or so ago, Solomon and Matheson came up with sort of the general idea and pitched it to Keanu and Alex Winter. And they said, yeah, okay, sure. But it sort of hemmed and hawed and they couldn't get financing. And then finally they they got enough. I, I don't know if it was a Kickstarter thing or what the hell happened, but I think it was something like that. They got that. Soderbergh. Yeah. They should have just done it as a play and performed it in Keanu's living room <laughs> for those people who wanted to see it so goddamn bad. Yeah. Well, this is what's, what's sad is they got uh, Dean Parasot to direct, the guy that hit a home run with Galaxy Quest, but that's his only good movie as far as I can tell. And it's just he doesn't know how to set up anything in this movie that pays off with any discernible... Yeah, fun. Let's, you know what I mean. Let's let's get into the problems of this. Because uh, again, I was on board. I was like, I I want to like this. I think we all said oh, kind of yeah. came into mm-hmm. this like that, right? Oh, uh, definitely. And I'm just like, God, nothing's landing. I'm I'm ten minutes into this and I'm hating this. At yeah. one point, my wife looks over at me. She, I hear my wife laughing and I look at her. She's looking at me and she says, the look on your face watching this movie is hilarious. Because <laughs> I'm just watching it like, the fuck? Yeah, I watched it with my wife and she was sitting on the couch just playing like a puzzle game on her phone the entire time. Just sort of like half watching. Every now and then she'd come in going, 
you know this this is bullshit, right? This whole movie is just bullshit. And then she'd go back to playing her puzzle. I mean, I'm yeah. like, okay. I, yeah. My wife, my wife instantly didn't like it, and I'm like, look, I'm trying to give this movie a chance. Can we? Oh yeah. Can we not rag on it yet? You know. It's yeah, <laughs> there, but it's it's. I get it. It's kind of like okay, they are. What are we saying? What 25, 30 years older? I, yeah. Yeah. 20, 25. Yeah, thirty years older. Okay, so they look older. Great, fine. But you're telling me they haven't developed in any meaningful way in yeah. 30 years to the point right. that they, if, if 50 year old guys are still saying, you know, whoa, and and doing the guitarist things like they did when they were 18, they're developmentally challenged. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't even mind that so much. It's just for me, I, I'm not like a huge Uber fan of Bill and Ted, but I enjoy the movies. Uh, and I think it's because Brian said it's just it was of its time for me. I was the right age. But this is the thing. I'd watched the first two leading up to this one as a just sort of a refresher. And the first two have a lot of manic energy and they're just sort of up and fun and peppy. They don't make a lick of sense, but they're still just, you know, their energy's there. This one, there's zero energy from right. start to finish and that was astonishing to me i'm like what is the whole purpose of doing a bill and ted movie if they're just gonna loll around and be sad sacks the entire time right. it's like i don't get it this is not bill and ted it's like I think the name was i think that's probably because the first two movies were just pure anarchy right yeah. i mean it's like heavy high stakes time travel yeah you know uh, uh afterlife and it's still just these two schmucks you know, and that's kind of the joke. Here yeah. they said, "Now we got to tie it up. We got to make it make sense. Now we got to close the book. Yeah. We got to we got to well, add, you know, some some kind of not meaning, but yeah, structure." I get, well, it's this is the way I saw it. So the first one, it's sort of just them in high school, and they have to pass their history exam, uh, or they're done. And it's sort of teenagers sort of figuring out, okay, what's the first step in adulthood. Uh, figure something out. The second one, it's they die, they go to hell, they beat death, they come back, blah, blah, blah. And that's sort of figuring out your early 20s and maybe not sticking to that path, but at least having some idea of, okay, I'm not full on a kid really? anymore. You're and adding then, way much. Well, and then you get to this. Well, then you get there. you get to this one, and you can tell that it was written by fifty-something-year-old guys that are like dealing with mortality now. Going, oh, what if you failed to live up to any promise that you thought you had twenty-five years ago? Go with that. Like, that's I not a that villain Ted movie. I thought that would have been a much more interesting movie if there was no time travel and it was just the two of them going. Yeah. I think we got played. Yeah, <laughs> I don't Basically. think we're supposed to write shit. I yeah. think somebody came along and just ruined our lives yeah. with this this nonsense about the song to save the world. Well, this one it just it suffers from so much structurally because it it suffers from sequelitis in a big way because it basically takes all the stuff that was interesting about the first two and sort of just repurposes it. Uh, yeah, and ref and yeah. it makes it it's like it's not new, but it's new characters doing the old stuff kind of thing. And so they Bill and Ted yeah. have these daughters yeah. that, that are basically named Bill and Ted. And they they basically reenact the first movie. Basically. Right? They travel back through yeah. time to create the ultimate band where they go get Hendrix and um Mozart. Mozart They and, say things and, like whoa and repeatedly. Dude. Yeah. And dude. But, I, but this was like 
this was probably the best part of the movie, but it was also the least inspired part because it's just it's just a retread yeah. of the first film. Well, it's they that fell was the into- thing about Bogus Journey was they didn't do a retread at all. Like they yeah. went in an, a completely different direction. Well, that's, um, that's what I love about Bogus Journey. Like you said, you can't figure out why people like it more. I think it's because it just totally went left of center and didn't just retread the first one. Because the first one was just a crazy mm-hmm. time travel, goofy adventure kind of thing. And the first one's kind of a riff on like Dr. Peabody, Mr. Peabody and, and, uh, and his kid. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, and then the second one is just a straight up like parody of the seventh seal. Which I did not see coming when I watched it the first time. I'm like, holy, it's like the two stoner dudes basically are in a movie that's making fun of an Ingmar Bergman existential movie. I'm like, that's why it just is so goofy to me. It's because it's just so weird. And then you get to this third one and it's sort of like, uh, are they just, what are they doing? Are they riffing off of, uh, what, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Are they doing like, Empire Strikes Back? I'm like, I don't understand what they're, what they're doing here at all. We just wanted to get together and make a movie and have fun because we're bros, <laughs> dude. Like I said it, it seemed like a favor to Alex Winter. I, I don't think so because he has a whole career. Yeah, like well, as a, a, a documentary filmmaker, yeah. he doesn't need this. Well, they should. First off, they should have had him direct this thing. I'll tell you that right now. That would have oh, made boy. it most excellent, if I can use the phrasing. Because uh, I've recently went back and rewatched his movie Freaked. Have you ever I seen knew it that? Was coming. <laughs> and I love that movie so much because it is just so in your face. Fuck you, uh, from start to finish. And his show on MTV was also brilliant. Yeah, and he's just he's got a good sensibility. And I think if and like you said, he was the only one that looked like he was actually making a go at something in this yeah. movie. Uh, apart from the guy that played the neurotic robot, Anthony Kerrigan. Which yeah, the killer really robot is, is sort of the death of this movie, right? Yeah. And in that, you know, it's the character that's the threat, but is also the the best thing about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I still, I never, th- I never uh, mentioned that actor by his actual name. To me, he is always Victor Zaz. Of course, True. Is, yeah, but yeah, that is so brilliant when he accidentally kills the daughter. <laughs> <laughs> just just that five seconds of him going, oh, 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 oh no, oh. that's the funniest part of the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, then when he starts figuring out his name when they go to hell, my name is Dennis, Dennis Caleb McCoy. <laughs> they're like, okay, we get it, Dennis, shut the fuck up. So, uh, which is sort of a rehash of the William Sadler death. Yeah. So it's just, uh, so they've got interesting ideas that are just executed poorly i'm sorry to say so one of the one of the bad expectations i had going into this um excuse me so so last year for the super bowl or maybe it was this year good god how long has 2020 been um 10 years there was a there was a walmart commercial that basically had cameos from like every sci-fi film ever and there's a shot of Bill, you know, adult 50-year-old Bill interacting with teenage Bill. Yeah. Whoa! Is this the future? This is the present future, Bill. Here's your order, Bills. Excellent! In the Walmart commercial. And so I'm like, oh, shit, they went to the trouble of, like, coming up with the CG 
model for Teenage Bill, they probably did that for the movie. So I'm expecting to see Bill and Ted interacting with Teenage Bill and Ted in this film based on the Walmart commercial. No, the Walmart commercial had a much higher budget than this entire movie. Um, <laughs> well, it's clearly. Like shot for like $25 million or something. I mean, nothing like, to sneeze at. Like, all of the virtual sets are just barren and empty and, and strangely, like, large in the ge- ge- geographical space, but with nothing in them, right? It's just, you know, empty yeah. spaces that characters have to walk long distances through. Yeah. Um, it, it's just really, it feels more like a TV show than a movie. Well, <sighs> from a budget perspective. Well, I mean, do you, have you seen any clips from the actual TV show that they tried to do, like back in like '93 or '94? Yes. Uh, that thing looked like it was done on a BBC 1975 I, I meant budget. A modern TV show, not <laughs> not that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. We are Uh but yeah, it's just given the uh, the level of production Netflix brings to the game now with their productions, I would I would buy this was a produced by and for Netflix joint. Yeah. Just because it looks it looks competent but cheap. And I'm I don't even care. It's not like I wanted, you know, I wanted better spectacle from my poorly written uh, 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 a rehash comedy <laughs> movie, but yeah. you know it's like there's so much that doesn't work in this. It just hurts to see. It just yeah. hurts. It's and I was not. It's not like I was an enormous Bill and Ted's fan. Honestly, I thought it was mildly entertaining. It was something yeah. that you know, like you know, when it was on and I was sufficiently high, I would watch and giggle at. But <laughs> this, there's just nothing. Yeah, I mean, it's just. It's basically the whole reason it exists is because of nostalgia yeah. uh, and the Keanuessance that's happening uh, because of John Wick and stuff like that. But I, the reviews have been mixed. Uh, like professional critics, for the most part, are just sort of like, yeah, it's, it's goofily charming, but what else do you want? See, that kind just of about thing. every review I've seen says, you know what? It's stupid, and it's as stupid as the other two movies, and so yeah. you know it fits right in, and that's fine. You know, but it, it doesn't just, it doesn't ruin Bill and Ted. It doesn't bring anything new to it, but it it's no harm, no foul. That's pretty much the consensus I'm seeing. Yeah, but mm-hmm. when I watched it, and I was going into it sort of thinking it would be like that, but uh, I was just thoroughly bored from start to finish, and I was so saddened by that because when you look online, like through Twitter and stuff. Because I follow Ed Solomon, because he's a funny guy, but you get a lot of people coming in going, hey, I saw Bill and Ted's 3 and it changed my life. It is so good. I'm, I had tears at the end and this and that. So I'm like going into it thinking, oh, shit, is this going to be like one of those things? And then by the end, I'm like, am I just dead inside? Did I just yeah. not yes. care? I mean, it's just, I don't get it. Why would this movie make you cry inside? I'm like, I don't know. Because in the end, it's all about TikTok. <laughs> I mean, the, the end credits are basically a bunch of yeah. shit TikToks. Yeah. It's like, you know what would bring the world together? If we all played our shitty, shitty, shitty music over each other. Well, and that's the other <laughs> Actually, thing. It's like, okay, wait a minute. I'm going to defend this because this is like the best part of the script to, to me. Oh, boy. Um, which is <laughs> the the whole idea that, you know, they would write a metal ballad that 
unites the universe was stupid on its face and that they yeah. were going mm-hmm. to revisit that as the main you know goal of the of our lead characters for this film how are we going to write that song yeah uh, uh the idea that the song didn't have to be good yeah. that what was that what was interesting about it was that every single person throughout time and space was playing the same song at the same time and had this communal experiment experience okay fine i can kind of buy that buy the world a coke yep in perfect (laughs) harmony this has been done yeah don draper just smiling his ass off you know they were um they didn't have the song when they were filming they didn't even have the song they they were going to place in and so everyone who's in that um in those shots is actually playing obli obli da uh that was the song they used on set because it was a song everybody knew and they didn't yeah. have to work very hard at it and they just made sure the new song was kind of in the same key and same tempo. Yeah. <sighs> well, hmm. here's where it went south for me. It's that uh, they telegraph how it's going to end right from the get-go when they introduce the two daughters because it's basically just these two uber yeah. music nerds going into every technical thing about this and that and the other. And then they and go into the whole Preston Logan thing instead of Wild Stallions. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. so the daughters yeah. are going to save the world. I mean, it, it totally, that's the what I is, said. Yeah. yeah. When, they, when they restate the, uh, uh, the prophecy in Act 1 and say, no, it says clearly Preston, Preston and Logan perform yeah. this. Uh, well, that's it. It's the daughters. Yeah, yeah. No, totally predictable. Yeah. But then they get to the end where they got the band together and they're getting it all set up. And then you realize, oh, they're not proficient musicians at all. They're just really good DJs. And then they get everything switched together. I'm like, that is that what millennials are now? I'm like, is that their big take on it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so, oh, I was so irritated. Yeah, I was so irritated. <laughs> DJing is, is now apparently, you know. A, 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 an yeah. artistic occupation. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like they. Yeah, they're just producers. They're really good producers. They're like yeah. uh, like DJ Khaled, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of a letdown. So everything in between was just sort of oh okay. So now we got to go get death. So hey, let's die. Okay, now we're in hell. Okay, that's they really did fun. Nothing with the setting of hell or with yeah. death, really. Or with death. It was yeah. Lame. Ugh, it's just. Mm. So they had a lot of potential on this thing, and it just—I think they just misfired from the get-go. And I just—I hate to say that because I was very hopeful for this film. They, they Even though one other thing that I'll give them some props for—I'm always a fan of when they announce a ticking clock in a movie. If the movie then plays out in real time from there, I mean, either <laughs> either cut it way shorter just to you know get to the yeah. point. Or or really do it, you know, like Aliens. We talked about Aliens earlier. Aliens yeah. has a great ticking clock at the end when they when they count That's down accurate. the number of minutes before. Yeah, and you can totally set your watch by it. Same yeah. thing in this movie. Like they basically say you have seventy one minutes, minutes. Yeah. and I'm like, and this movie is seventy one more minutes left in it. So here we <laughs> yeah. go. Well, no. and that's the stupid thing about the Bill and Ted universe that always sort of irritates me because. And I don't know enough about physics to really argue the point, but it's they always use the idea of an actual physical clock ticking down, even though they have a time machine that they can go anywhere at any time and avoid that trap. But yet there's always the ticking clock going to speed the action along that they're fucked if they don't make that I'm, deadline. I am like, not going to get into time travel rules within the Bill and Ted universe. Yeah, but it's just but it just seems counterintuitive to any sort of temporal 
thing but, related but to time I do, travel. I believe the boss from Bosom Buddies does say that uh, <laughs> it's it's relativistic time, right? It's like, yeah, you yeah. can go anywhere, but we're we're concerned about this one specific. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. But it just seems like it carries over from every movie. Because in the first one, it's the same thing. It's like, we have yeah. to get to our report by two o'clock, dude. is always right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Uh, so it's just irritating. But Thank you for knowing the boss from Bosom Buddies. <laughs> oh, you, do you mean the mom from Two and a Half Men? That too. Uh, you mean Kathleen Turner's best friend from Romancing the Stone? Yeah, uh, her. Her publisher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have no idea. You're a hopeless about. romantic. Uh, so yeah, her name is Holland Taylor, by the way. Oh, she has a name? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and let me ask you this. Uh, were you okay with how they handled the lack of George Carlin? Or yeah. do you care? Uh, yeah. I, 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 oh, I can never remember her name, but I think she was a good choice. Kristen Shaw. I, I, what? Kristen Shaw. And I kept hearing, uh, oh, George Carlin's daughter is in this. And I'm like, I kind of doubt that george no. carlin's daughter is, is an she actress has a cameo in it okay um, but then uh, yeah then i was like but that's that's yeah it's Kristen shaw Kristen yeah. shaw is named after carlin's do- daughter her character is named after carlin's daughter yeah um okay. i mean <sighs> well they make such a big deal mm-hmm. about uh rufus this rufus that but if you watch the first two it's like he's barely in either one yeah and so the idea that he has to be in this third one seems sort of moot to me. It's like, well, first off, Carlin's dead. Let's yeah. not cheapen it by doing like some sort of Forrest Gump retrospective CGI bullshit. I, uh, I didn't mind that they had the sort of the Rufus, you know, museum exhibit, except that it was the only museum exhibit within miles, and it was like <laughs> yeah. and in the way. Did yeah. you notice, too, when, they, when they're walking away that, like, Skybridge thing in the phone booth in the background and he's still yammering on his hologram about this he actually says we're gonna take you back now to the year 1989 when I first met Bill and Ted I'm like did you not see the first movie it's fucking 1988 you moron <laughs> so you already fucked up your timeline who wrote this shit <laughs> I was so mad <laughs> so yeah but uh, uh, I was hoping it would stir the nostalgia in me and it just really didn't I mean, it literally just, I sat there stone-faced. Yeah, ultimately, that's the problem. We live in an age of nostalgia for Gen Xers, and we're tapped. There's not yeah. really any way to do that anymore. And, and, and the generations after us won't even know what the fuck that is, because since they live on Facebook, they will never know nostalgia. Yeah. Well, I think that was the other thing that they got right, though, was with the two daughters, is that they have this weird collective knowledge of music through history, uh, probably because of things like YouTube uh, and Spotify and whatever. Uh, So they've got this vast knowledge of stuff, but they just don't have any context for it. So it's kind of weird to see that play out, is that they're the saviors of the entire number of multiple universes kind of thing uh because they watch youtube i mean it's just so weird yeah. to me you know you got me thinking that the nostalgia train is going to somehow keep going and the next one we get as they keep mining the depths will be i come back in peace you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah really anyway you still go in pieces uh yeah but so i mean um, it's just stuff like that but then you but uh, you know the 
there's a pacing problem with this because then they've got like the three, well, two and a half narratives, maybe three and a half because I guess if you count the future. But so you've got Bill and Ted keep going further into the future to steal this alleged song from themselves, and then they get into the best part. Well, then they get into a feud with themselves, but I'm like, so basically, this is just the evil robot us's fused into something else. And then you've got... But the future Bill and Ted hating past Bill and Ted and trying (laughs) to fuck them over thing was fun. I mean, the prison one And the idea that they would probably use, like, one of the fan ideas always of, why not just go forward and get it, you know, like, like, you know, like pulling basically a time travel scenario and joking it. Well, and understanding that there's only so much mileage you can get out of it, so you have to have a few different subplots. Yeah. Just the others weren't as good. Well, but that one's also a riff off the the other two, like the end of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, when they say, okay, when we succeed, we'll have a time machine, we'll go back and get your keys, and then we'll leave them there for you. And then there's that whole five-minute sequence where they leave themselves a little cookie trail to get the keys. Mm-hmm. And then it's yeah. the end of Bogus Journey, when they're fighting Denomalous. And they're like, well, we'll just go back with the time machine and we'll fix your gun. Yeah, and I want to know. I want to know. Was that which came first? It was the the Moffat Doctor Who thing. The whatever the Curse of Fatal Death was that before or after Bill and Ted's either one actually, because um, it's the same joke, right? Well, oh yeah, but I remembered to go back and and make the thing that you thought you went back and did so that I could double cross you and yeah. Well, or I the would, uh, uh, Rick and Morty where they do the um, the heist, right? Yeah, <laughs> you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> but uh, well, that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting sideboard you bring up there because the the whole idea for the first Bill and Ted's they were going to do it in a time traveling van, and for the longest time that was the script, and then the studios and producers went, that's ah, a little too much like Back to the Future. I think we need to change it. So then they just said, well, let's just make it a phone booth. They had no idea that it was Doctor Who. Uh, Chris Matheson. Well, Chris Matheson that. is on record going, yeah, we were so clueless that we just didn't even put two and two together. We just uh, thought, a phone booth, it whatever. it flies through tubes. In, yeah, <laughs> yeah, come on. So it's like, come on. Uh, and this is the son of Richard Matheson, a guy who wrote for, for Twilight Zone, did I Am Legend, uh, and that sort of thing. So he's got the pedigree. It's like, how did you not know about Doctor Who? I call I call bullshit on that oh, one. I totally call bullshit because he was on reading that. books instead of watching BBC shows. <laughs> I guess what a moron. <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah. All right. Okay. So we're done with this this nonsense, right? Yeah, we're done. Okay, good. <laughs> no, wait. I want to talk more about it. I was it. so angry. I was like, why the <laughs> fuck did I even suggest this? Oh yeah, clickbait. <laughs> clickbait. Well, come on. It's the closest thing to an event movie we have going right now. So, you know, it's just like our, our end game for 2020. So Let's put you, it that way. So if you listen to our show and, and you recognize the clickbait, come on, share it, right? Like, put on your yeah. social feeds, subscribe I to would, the podcast, help us out, spread yeah. it I want around. you all We're not asking you for money like it yeah. was PPS or nothing. I am asking every single person listening to this for their hate mail that we did not where, like Where this can movie. they send the hate mail, Chris? <laughs> Magnificently huge at gmail.com. Or go on our Twitter tweet feed. angrily at you. What oh, that's I, at... What I tweet? That's at MagHuge on Twitter. Okay, go to Facebook. I'm not old. I'm on Instagram. Smash, How do I find you? Smash <laughs> that subscribe button. Like, smash it on on on, <laughs> on iTunes or or 
Stitcher or whatever stupid shit you're listening to this on, smash, yeah. smash, because apparently that you're not supposed to just subscribe to things anymore. You're supposed to smash or share it. That's a good one too. Uh, give us five stars on whatever you're listening to this on. I don't care. Don't bootleg it or we'll sue you. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, I got a little excited there. We won't sue you. That's <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. Sharing right. a podcast. That's be excellent to each other and party on. Dude. Oh God, you're awful. Thank really? You know. Did you just do that? <laughs> ew, 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 ew. I've got the shits now. Ah. Uh.